Hey guys, it me, Ray. I'm back. Host of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. I took a hiatus for a couple months because I was working on some other projects, but I'm glad to say that I will be back wherever you're listening to this podcast every Sunday, 9.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. New episodes will be dropping, so please, you know, get back in the groove and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so you can get those fresh episodes. I will say the reason that I was gone, among other things, is that I started a new cartoon, a web series with my friend Julissa. So I've been working on that and I'm excited for you all to go see that so please go to our website Julissa Who that's J-U-L-I-S-A-W-H-O dot com and follow us on Instagram at Julissa underscore who and yeah it's gonna be a funny cartoon a great show if you guys are in the LA area we'd actually love to have you out to our premiere of the show we're making space august 10th it's gonna be great we're gonna have a dj live music performances live stand-up comedy food drinks merch the whole nine yards so if you're in the la area please go to julisahoo.com and find out more about the event and it's free free 99 y'all know i'm cheap so i had to make that a deal for you guys it's free roll through come through if you're in la august 10th But other than that, you know, let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the show. Today I have my friend and entrepreneur here, Lauren McElroy. Thank you, Lauren, for being on the show. Sure. But I basically wanted Lauren to be on the show because she is a businesswoman, you know, making moves, someone that, you know, I admire. I think she could share her wisdom with you guys um, about entrepreneurship and, you know, making the transition from working for your, uh, for someone else and working for yourself. So I met Lauren, we used to work uh, together at Tom's Shoe Company, and she decided to leave and branch out and make her own business and uh, yeah, her journey has been really great and inspirational, and I think that we could all learn. So thanks, Lauren, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so tell the listeners about your business, first of all, and okay. what you do. Sure, so my business is called Tickleberry Place, and it's a family entertainment company. And it started out just being like a simple indoor play space because I, I discovered that there was a need for family spaces, like entertainment and indoor play spaces in South Los Angeles where I live, which is like Lamert Park. And and then also going to the ones that I had been to and they were like further out, like all the way in Westside and Torrance. And I would find myself driving um, places just to get to one because I babysit and I would take the kids that I watched to um, the play spaces. And I, my UX background was like, you know, thinking and taking and I was like, how can I improve this? And so that's where my business came about and then from there I started working on it and it's grown into this uh, bigger idea than I imagined so yeah (laughs) that's cool so like you talked about you know you were a UX designer for Mm -hmm. those of you that don't know that means user experience and they basically 
um, are responsible for designing, you know, how it look, how the, your experience yes. when you go on a website <laughs> or use an app, you know, they put buttons in certain places and make sure that it's all intuitive mm-hmm. and helpful to us. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, what would you say, how did those skills, you touched on it a bit, how did those skills transition to, you know, you being an entrepreneurship? Mm-hmm. Are there any specific things that you were like, wow, you know, I thought this would be hard, but I actually have some knowledge of mm-hmm. this. I think being a user experience designer probably was the best starting, I guess, career that I ever could do as an entrepreneur. One, because you learn so many different skills as it relates to understanding customers, um, understanding their needs, making sure you do research and um, using that research to inform your product or your experience that you're designing and using that whole customer journey and designing um, something that is and hand usable or people that actually are you know desire to use it or desire to actually want to purchase something so I think that was the I think the best thing that I could ever done was go along that path before starting a business because now I apply all those skill sets creating personas and mapping out a customer journey map and um, using like getting into the mind of our customers, which are parents, moms, and dad, and understanding, okay, so how are they going to come to our space? What are they looking for? And so whenever um, I'm doing something as it relates to designing the business, we're always thinking about those things, and I think it's helped a lot. That's actually really cool, because I think a lot of people, what they might have an idea to start a business, but it's hard for them because they might feel sort of inadequate, like, oh, well, I didn't go to school for that. I didn't mm-hmm. learn that. So it's great that you were able to take the skills from something that, you know, you were doing at your job to a completely different yeah. industry. And I think we all can, can, you know, think about that and think about what skills can transfer over. Yeah, thank you. So how did you go about raising funds for your business? Did you use your own savings or have investors? Mm-hmm. Um, a little both. So in the beginning, I was doing a lot of my own funds. Um, I you know, would save and then spend it on certain things, and I'm like, have to save again because you're like constantly, which is why you, know, you have to work full time, and we can talk about that challenge later. But um, investing my own money was was what I did a lot and um, and then when we got a little further along with opening a, a space we had um, we got loans we got some business loans and we were working with the small business SBA loan and they were okay. giving us um, a loan for our construction um, and, and there's also a place called the Jewish Free Loan Association and they give free int- interest oh, free loans you don't have to be Jewish no you oh. don't <laughs> wow you don't have to be Jewish at this all. is great I live in LA and they give loans for like Everything. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. a great resource. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So they gave us $15,000. Wow. Yeah, we used that to put a deposit down for our space. Unfortunately, the place that we were renting didn't work out. We had some issues with, you know, I can't legally say, yeah. but we had some issues with the landlords. And so we had to kind of get out of that lease. Um, and so ever since then, we've been looking for a new space. And and since that happened, um, we restructured the business, and now we're actively fundraising with investors. And so I learned back then, you know, use your own money, but don't use a whole lot of your own mm-hmm. money because you can go into debt and, you know, be responsible for a lot of things that you don't really want to be responsible yeah. for. It's best to, like, fundraise with investors, and so that's what we're doing now. 
So how did you find these investment opportunities? Were there like certain websites you went on to or events or networking? Both, actually. So I um, found a business strategist that I hired on to my team and we did a lot of uh, planning in terms of like preparing packaging for our investors. Like we had to have a whole like package materials of our projections, our numbers, our pitch deck, executive summary, business plan, go-to-market strategy, all those things need to be written down because people want to have, they have all these questions. They're like, are you serious about this? You know, what have you put into place that is going to make me feel comfortable for once I give you that money, you're going to be able to to hit the ground running. So we did a lot of that work for about six months before reaching out to investors. And then once we did that, I did an extensive like research and a spreadsheet of all the investors I wanted to contact. Um, a lot of them, I, were, I was focused on, you know, investors that were women focused on helping women entrepreneurs, people who were into helping, you know, minority black entrepreneurs, um, investors that focused on like California or, or LA, um, just trying to like find a fit. And um, I just kept speaking to people and people would just start to connect me with different uh, people. And so what I found is that the best way to actually get an intro meeting with an investor is for someone to introduce you because mm-hmm. I sent probably a good number of like cold emails to investors and only have back from one. <laughs> so that I, I was like, okay, this part, this strategy doesn't work. You just need to meet people. And I found once I did that, it just started becoming a chain reaction and I got from one call to one person to another. I think I think honestly that's the best in a lot of industries. I'm going through the same thing right now as I transition to be a screenwriter and it's really hard cuz like you said you can't like cold call people, yeah. email random people yeah. <laughs> and ask for a job. I mean you can, yeah. but probably 9 times out of 10 that won't work. Yeah. And so um I also manage an Instagram account where you know I'm giving advice to people um who want to break in the entertainment industry and a lot of people ask like well how can I get these jobs you tell me about these jobs but how do we actually get them and I always tell people networking and people say well I don't know anyone how can I network like well that's the point of networking (laughs) is to meet people I too did not know anyone but especially I'm sure yeah like in any sort of finance based industry entertainment industry even if you're just probably you know working at a a company a lot Mm -hmm. of people get their jobs because someone else referred them to the job so I think it's really important whatever industry that you're in that you attend events mixers panels and get to know those people and then they can trust you Mm -hmm. because especially you you're dealing with a lot of money so Mm -hmm. I can understand why someone wouldn't give like twenty thousand dollars to some random person (laughs) you know you need to like get face to face and and feel comfortable with people so I think you know networking is something that no matter what industry you're in that people can you know take that and run with it so yeah, I want to talk about, like you said, working full-time and also running a business because I think there's a misconception that, you know, if I have this business, I just need to quit everything and work on my business. But a lot of people, you know, don't have the financial resources to just work on their business full-time. So how did you balance, you know, working a full-time job and also uh, paying attention to your business? Yeah, so it's 
I guess the best way for me, since I am a UX designer, a lot of the jobs that I could get were flexible, and I made that a criteria of mine. Like, if I was going to work for a company, I had to at least be able to work from home one day out of the week um, to have work with a team or a manager who understood that I had, like, a, a life and <laughs> not have to be at work more than 10 hours a day. I mean, and that happens sometimes, but, you know, you learn to give and take. Like, okay, this is going to be, I'm working here all day, then I'm just going to have to sacrifice another day to do stuff for my business. But that was always a priority for me, was to find jobs that gave me flexibility. Um, and I, I worked full-time for um, a few years, actually. Um, and then I just realized that, that in order for me to get further quicker I was going to have to take the leap of faith and, and, and leave my job and so I had saved some money up to do that and um, and left my full-time job at Tom's in which they were so gracious to let me work part-time as I transitioned to leaving um, and then once I did that I just noticed that things started to move a lot quicker mm-hmm. and that's when I met my business strategist and if you started reworking things and new ideas started to come about and we started um finding like a little rhythm you know um and then I would just do like part-time or contract jobs here and there and like take a month off in between and then like go heavy hard working on the business and then get back into working on a job so you need the job because you still have to buy your groceries you gotta pay your bills and I had you know a mortgage and all that kind of stuff to pay for so um I still needed income and yeah, it's just that balance. And right now I have a part-time freelance job that just is pays well, but also I don't have to be in the office every day. Mm-hmm. And it's so flexible, and I'm so blessed and happy that I have that. Yeah, that's really great. So how would you say... I know you talked about, you know, what gave you the idea to to start Tickleberry Place, but um, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I know what I was going to say. So I feel like right now it's very trendy to be an entrepreneur. Like mm-hmm. if you go on Instagram, you see all these famous accounts that are, you know, teaching people entrepreneurship. And I think mm-hmm. people think that it's just some very flashy, glamorous, mm-hmm. I'll be rich sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But as someone, you know, who myself, I've started several businesses and I've stopped because <laughs> it, it is hard. Mm-hmm. So um, what are what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about being an entrepreneur? Uh, I think the biggest misconception is that it it takes no time to get, like, successful yeah (laughs) I think a lot of people don't see the longevity that's required to start a business we always see that you know oh the business just popped up on Instagram and they have like thousands of followers and they're making all these uh comments and traction and all this stuff and it's so sad because you don't see the steps that were required to get there and also people don't realize the amount of money it takes to start a business Mm -hmm. Even if it's something simple, you still have to, yeah. like, invest into it. There's things that you have to pay for, like, legal things, like registering a business. Who knew an LLC in California is going to be $800 yeah. a year? Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> There's so many things you have to think about and so many things you have to pay for that it's, I don't know. It just, 
Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it is. It's really yeah. hard. And I think a lot of people think that like, oh, I hate working for the men or whatever. I'm just going to start my own business. But being an entrepreneur is actually much more time consuming <laughs> than just working for it someone is. else. Because when you think about it, you can just clock in, clock out, you're done. But if it's your business, you have to be thinking about this pretty much 24-7. You're working yeah. on your business. So yeah. I, I think a lot of people have sort of <clears throat> like a lazy attitude where mm -hmm. they think, oh, I'll just work for myself and I can be chilling. But no, <laughs> like yeah. it's much harder work to work for yourself. So if it's something you want to do, it has to be something you're really passionate Absolutely. about and, and dedicated to um, because it act, it's much more time consuming. Mm -hmm. it, it really is like, you know, time consuming, you're responsible for everything. And if you don't do anything or take any action every day, nothing happens, yeah. no progress happens. And so um, I think that can be the best thing and the worst thing that, that can be getting people's way in terms of re reaching their goal. Yeah, I think so. I think also one of the most important strategies for any business is marketing mm -hmm. and that's something I always like to ask people about because it doesn't matter how great your product is like if people don't know about it you know no one will buy it right. so is there <laughs> some, is there like any specific marketing strategies that you're going to take or you you have been taking mm -hmm. or any sort of ideas that could help other people yeah so I guess this relates to our product because it is a retail space that has customers. So we did a lot of um, pop-up events or pop-up play events where we would go to the farmer's market and really inexpensively, like, yeah, actually, it was free. We got a booth. <laughs> they didn't let us, they, they didn't make us pay. Oh, we wow. We pay for, you know, marketing materials. And we just put our signs up and we do, like, an activity and, like, send out emails to people and say hey we're going to be here we're going to be doing kids gardening and like DIY play-doh and people actually start to come to our events from different areas and will follow us and I felt like that was the best way to reach out because um the people who would follow us online would come and then people would walk by and say hey what is this oh I'll sign your email and so that was allowing us to send email updates to them and then uh, they would share with their friends, and um, I think that was the best way because you created a, a, a physical connection with that person, um, and um, and you got to see who they were about, or who they were, and also what their needs were, because sometimes they start telling us what they were looking for oh. in a business like ours, or, oh, I'm so frustrated, the only thing over there is this place, but they didn't treat me like I wanted, like, they start yeah. saying things, and and that was great because they were sharing the excitement about us opening and, and being having a presence in the community. So I feel like that was the best marketing strategy. We've kind of gone a, gone a little silent on social media for a while because um, one of the things, you know, having a business is hard, especially if it's just yourself or, yes. you know, you have just two people or... Either way, if you don't have a suite of, like, a team of yeah. at least five people, you're wearing so many hats. And so social media became really hard to manage um and I had an intern but I was like okay we're gonna have to find like giveaway we're gonna invest so much in the intern but maybe put money into this uh project or something else that we have to invest in like uh you know we were looking for a sketch artist or we had to pay for some lawyer lawyer fees and lawyers are really expensive yes. so <laughs> so that's you know what we had to do Hopefully. it is really hard um 
the marketing thing because I think those are two different skills. A lot mm-hmm. of people are creative. They come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more people might be focused on numbers and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they can do financial stuff. But marketing is completely different. And I will admit that's something I'm not that good at. <laughs> so I feel like I just come up with stuff and I just put it out. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so I think that it is like whatever your weakness is, um, I think it's good to study and explore it. I think I've gotten better at marketing. I think honestly doing this podcast is what forced me to yeah. to get better at marketing because when I first started, it was just on SoundCloud. I put it up there. I had no marketing and just put it on the internet and then people started listening to it I don't know how they found it it was very shocking <laughs> so I then I you know did more research about different platforms my podcast should be on I started the Instagram and I think that like you said when you're consistently posting on stuff like I would get a steady amount of new followers new listens but it is hard mm-hmm. like I ought to also work you know, I try to do my podcast, but when I was posting every day, I would grow. But, you know, I'm lazy, so <laughs> I stopped doing that. But uh, for me, something that helped me as like a single, you know, business operation is sort of batching things. So mm-hmm. like for my Instagram posts, I would take one day out of the month and make like all the posts I'm going to do for a month or two. Oh, just that's... sit there and just do them all. So then I don't have to think every day of like, oh, what am I going to post today? And Mm -hmm. it's a much like more stressful thing. But if I just pre-did a lot of stuff, it was easier for me. And I think that Instagram ads and even Facebook ads are very cheap right now. I feel like people don't realize how cheap they are (laughs) and the return is pretty good, especially on Facebook because you can get so specific Mm -hmm. on the type of um customer that you want and an instagram you know i i buy stuff off instagram <laughs> like i'll see these ads and like oh this has convinced me <laughs> like i bought several stuff off instagram and i never thought that i would do that but you know i think we're living in a, a good age for you know online yeah. entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that are you know have limited funds to reach a mass audience with like in online advertising yeah i think one of the things about marketing too is that you need you can do a lot what you can't like you know with a small budget but there comes to a point where you realize like oh i need a bigger budget so i can have more content because some of those stock photos just don't work oh no no yeah (laughs) that's that's a challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs not even just myself a couple people that i know who are like trying to find content what they end up doing is just reposting people's stuff because Mm -hmm. Yeah, the cheapest way to like generate a little bit of like buzz. So yeah, if someone could solve that problem of really inexpensive content for entrepreneurs, I would be all over it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. At, like, what do you think are the most essential parts to a business? Like, say mm-hmm. I'm a person, I want to start my business, but I don't have that much money. Maybe I can only work with three people. Would you recommend like I hire? a designer or a lawyer or a business strategist like what are the what do you think has led to the most success for you yeah that's a good question 
Um, I definitely think having someone who's creative, like a designer on your team, is really important because they could do a lot of, especially if they're a good digital or graphic designer and they can design really quick posts for you. Um, that's always helpful because um, they can take that on or take that work for you. Um, a strategist, for sure, because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and someone who does have an experience of, like, you know, has experience setting up businesses and knowing what people are looking for, I think it's really great. If I had a strategist early on, I probably would be further along or probably would have learned a lot more faster. Um, and then once I did have my strategist, I'm like, oh, okay, now I see what we need to do. Um, so I would definitely say that. Having a lawyer on hand, but don't hire one right away. Like, you know, yeah, you don't need that you don't need right to away. Have a lawyer. Yeah, it's, it's great because it's good to have someone who can, like, you know, you can consult with when you need something. But there's legal zoom and all those yeah. other places where you can just be like, hey, I just need this quick little trademark registration, and they'll do it for five hundred dollars, and you know, keep it pushing. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. That's what I feel. I think you. Like, the amount of research that you did, like you were talking about, six months of researching the market and, and customer profiles and stuff. I feel like a lot of inexperienced entrepreneurs don't do that. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I started my first business when I was 19. Mm-hmm. I was making t-shirts. And luckily, I never really lost money, but I didn't make that much mm-hmm. money, like, very small yeah. profit margins <laughs> but I think that's because I didn't know what I was doing yeah. I knew I liked t-shirts uh I I designed I at my college I took a screen printing class so I had access to screen printing equipment oh. which like significantly lowered my yeah. cost but I was like oh let's buy a bunch of t-shirts do <laughs> this whatever <laughs> yeah, I'll figure out how to sell them yeah. I had no idea what I was doing yeah. and and now that I'm older I think like all of the times I tried to start a business I realized I really didn't do any research I just had an idea and just tried to (laughs) do everything myself and didn't know what I was doing. And I feel like a lot of people um, probably are like me and just have an idea and start making shit and don't know what they're doing. So I definitely, like, I think people should, a key takeaway is Mm -hmm. do your research. I think that, you know, once you have an idea, you kind of want to move fast. But the, the, the the more work that you put up ahead of time, I think will lead to much smoother trail mm-hmm. to success. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah, but. that's true. There are there are some resources too that people can look into. A lot of those nonprofit organizations and like business resource centers. Some of them can be a little conservative, but some of them have some strengths. Like maybe one of them has a really good marketing class that you can go sit in and listen on or they talk about accounting things and you can kind of pick up some little pointers from there. Um, or some, some people have really good like one-on-one um, uh, finance people that you can sit down with and work on your projections, Ooh, wow. which I did that with one of the organizations. And then, you know, you take what you can from them and you learn and you um, find someone else to fill in those gaps or, you know, yeah. So what what is the state of your business right now? Have mm-hmm. you guys made a new secured a new space or what are you guys doing now right now we're constantly i well at least right now talking to investors like um 
I'm working with uh, like I'll I'll reach out to an investor and you know there's one investor I'm talking to that actually is becoming a resource for me. Actually, Ooh. that's so interesting. Um, he hasn't invested, but he's like, oh, you need to do these things, and I'm happy to introduce you to other people too. And so um, that's kind of what I'm doing, and I'm taking from what I'm learning, speaking to those investors and fine tuning some of the materials that we had. So like the best thing to do, like I'm working with the um, investment banker and he kind of was like, do this, do that, do that. And um, and he said, now reach out to people, let's get feedback so we can find out what we need to do to kind of switch our wording or maybe change things on the, on the pitch deck. And so I did that, I made some adjustments to the pitch deck and now I'm going back out and reaching out to people. So we're fundraising. We have a couple of places that we want to like Occupy in terms of location, but we're waiting until we get our first investment before we go ahead and move forward and say, "Hey, we want to sign a lease." Yeah, because we don't we don't want to put ourselves in a situation like we were in last time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, and I think, like you said, that a lot of success is slow, mm-hmm. even though we may look at you know successful people and think, "Oh, they just made it overnight and they're yeah. rich." Like we just haven't seen all the the foundation that was laid so I think you're doing it correctly um, by by doing your research because like as you know you probably know as a designer me as a designer as well I've worked at a lot of startups Mm -hmm. and I've seen a lot of companies I liked fail (laughs) because not because the idea was bad or anything it it was because they didn't do proper planning and we're just moving and pushing and pushing Mm -hmm. without actually laying a a sustainable business model and thinking about long-term effects of what they're going to be Mm -hmm. doing so I think I think your approach and just taking things slow is what every business person should do. I think a lot of people don't do that, and that's probably why they fail, to Mm -hmm. be honest. I know that's why I failed, so I want to prevent failure for people. Yeah, and in the past, those were some of the things that I'm not going to call them mistakes. I'm going to say that I want to call them opportunities for learning. The opportunities I had for learning was because I didn't plan or think or follow... um, that gut feeling, because sometimes you're so adamant about moving quickly and getting things done fast that you don't um, vet people out fast, like, mm-hmm. you know, take your time to vet people out, because some people will take advantage of you, but I've yes. before. Yes, yes. Um, and when you're planning and you have all the things that you need to do laid out and also give yourself grace in terms of timeline, yes, it, it you know, it happens, but... It happens, but not as quickly as you want it to, but it happens in the time it needs to. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So do you have any entrepreneurs in your family or anything? Because I feel like you're very, the way you think <laughs> is very smart and different. Oh, so did you have any people that you looked up to? Um, it's so interesting. So I guess my dad is an entrepreneur. Um he has his own software company with mm. his twin brother, so interesting. Oh, yes, and you have a twin, yeah, have a twin. double twins <laughs> yeah. of the family. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and um, and so I guess, yeah, in some ways, he was able to have his own business and just seeing that. And then my mom, actually, she, well, she still works full-time for someone. She did have a, a company where she was selling art and home goods and stuff because she loves that. Um, so I guess I did learn it a little bit, but I'm trying to think, like, if there was anyone else that influenced me. It just, I 
don't know. It just was this thing inside of me that was like, oh, darn, I just got to have my own thing. <laughs> um, especially when I graduated from school. And then I was like, I don't like this sitting at a desk all day. Oh, really? Yeah. So you had this idea, like, a long... When did this idea... I know you said, like, you were babysitting. But how mm-hmm. old were you when you first had this idea? I think I was probably... I know that it was because I was babysitting that senior year, the summer before my senior year in college, and that's when I experienced it, and I was like, God, maybe I should just do this. Oh, wow. Um, so it's been a long it's time. Been a long time. Okay. But I never started actually working on it until like I took this professional development program, and then, and then I was like, oh, okay, so basically nothing's going to happen until I actually take action, <laughs> so I just started working on it. Um, and took this course. It was called like the communication or community relation. I forget what it's called now. <laughs> but they basically, um, you take a project that you want to accomplish and you take the course for three months and they set you up with like a coach and you have these weekly oh, wow. phone calls. What are you going to accomplish today? Put it like, who are you going to ha- ask to help you to accomplish this? And that's when I learned the discipline of yes. like, you know, constantly setting an intention for every week and then having the integrity and actually getting it done. Um, and then that's kind of how everything kind of started working in, like, in the beginning, how I started creating the name, registering the trademark, and the website, and all those things, um, took place at that time, and that was in 2014, actually. Okay. Um, and, you know, just from there, I've been learning, and it's been, like, a few years, and, um, and I realized that it, it takes that time, especially if you're trying to do something that has, like, this big retail component that we're doing. So, yeah. That's that's really cool. And I feel like, you know, your idea, you didn't say it all, but I yeah. think how you want to make the, the play space, you know, sustainable and have healthy mm-hmm. foods for kids yeah. because I think that is I don't even know if that exists. Like, I think there's lots of play spaces, but when all the ones I can think of are filled with, you know, junk food, lots of sugar, Mm -hmm. not, you know, the most sustainable or, or, you know, Mm eco-friendly environments, I think what you're doing is very unique and will will succeed. Yeah, and thank you. I appreciate that. And and I just had a meeting with an investor just a couple days ago, and he was just like, oh, my God, this is a really cool product, but it's not a good fit for us. But I'm like, that's okay. I mean, I'm learning that, that what I'm, what I've, all I've done so far is working. And even that little hiccup of a, like a devastating thing about us losing that space and not being able to move forward, we learned from that because we were able to pivot and realize, hey, what can we do to make the, the business model a little better? And then we incorporated tech. So now we're creating this omni-channel type of experience for families. So everything that they're utilizing for our services because like, they can um, they'll have monthly memberships they can order food they can plan and send out invitations to the birthday party that they're having at our place all on our mobile platform that's cool so, um, so that's I realized like some things are blessings in disguise mm-hmm. and um, yeah I'm just kind of excited for it all to come into place now <laughs> that's cool have you thought about going on Shark Tank I thought about <laughs> Actually, um, if someone sent me something, they're like, oh, you should apply. And I looked at it, and I was like, okay, I want to be strategic. I'm also strategic now, because before, you used to apply to everything, mm. and you realize you burn yourself out. Um, but I'm like, okay, they mostly focus on people who already have, like, done customers have done yeah. something and have been producing revenue and are ready to take their company to the next level. 
So I was like, I'm not gonna do this quite yet. I mean, maybe we could do this after we open and we're ready to like expand and we want to fundraise or use it as a marketing. Yeah, I think a lot of them just use it. It is good marketing. I just saw an Instagram ad, but it was these people that got rejected from Shark Tank. (laughs) But it was funny because it was um, like a black owned hair care company and it was like a natural hair care company. And the Shark Tank people were very like offensive to them, (laughs) to be honest. Like one of the girls, like I, I think she was the, the, owner of dry bar i want to say but she was like who wants to to have their hair curly i'm in the business of straightening hair this is ridiculous and then like mark cuban was like i don't have any idea what you're talking about like this is foolish basically (laughs) they're basically just rude but they use that like rejection of shark take as an instagram ad and it got like hundreds of thousands maybe millions of views Wow. And I thought that was a really smart marketing uh, idea because obviously it wouldn't appeal to them, but to the market that, you know, they are targeting. Every, it had all these comments like, these people just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to buy your stuff today. And, and so I thought that was really smart of yeah. them to use, like getting rejected as, yeah. a, as a commercial. Yeah. Exactly. Use everything to your advantage if you can. So, yeah, that's super smart. Yeah, it, it was really good. So, I guess what what are your future goals for your company? Do you have any, I guess, uh, timeline oh or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, there's some goals that I have that are written down in all of our plans, and then there are some goals that I have secretly because one thing you don't want to do is overwhelm your investors with all of your plans. Yeah. Um, that's oh, that's good advice. Yes, yeah, you want to kind of keep it like okay. What are your first immediate three to five year plans, right? Um, and our plan is to open the first location and then operate for a year and then launch and open the second location and then the third one the following year. Um, that's our plan that we have written down and then we have a secret plan. Okay. And as I was telling you, the animation project and one of my mentors told me not to tell people this. He's like, stop, don't tell anyone because this is a killer idea. (laughs) Okay, well don't tell the listeners. (laughs) But we have a plan and it's pertains into you know the entertainment like it makes the holistic experience of our service not just in our retail space i think that's really smart the Mm -hmm. more that you can expand your idea the more longevity it has Mm -hmm. because you know especially if you have a retail space if you only have three stores you know that's very restrictive Mm -hmm. only people that live in your area can go to your location even if it's great people can't go to it Mm -hmm. so I think you know thinking of other ways to monetize that's also what I try to think of and tell myself like like even with the podcast you know I think oh Obviously, it's a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not charging for it. No one wants to pay to listen to this. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you don't pay. It's not worth it. <laughs> but I think of like how you can monetize from merchandise and, yeah. and make cool things that people would pay for. And I mm-hmm. think in, especially in this internet era, era where you're getting so much free content, mm-hmm. people 
aren't going to pay to listen to your content most of the time. So you need to think of other ways where you can be creative to monetize. Like I like how you were talking about your pop-up events Mm -hmm. at farmer's market. That's really a good idea. People, you know, my friends on Instagram, she's a musician. So a lot of times her music is free. She doesn't charge for her music, but she has merchandise or she has events and stuff that she'll charge people to go to. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to be more creative on how we uh, get revenue these days because there's so much, uh, there's so many businesses or so many spaces that a lot of times people aren't used to for things anymore so but if you have something great like your characters that people want to buy merchandise of Mm -hmm. and other things like that's something that can easily scale and I encourage people to think about how like if you have one idea think of 10 different ways how you can make money off (laughs) one idea (laughs) yeah because honestly you can't rely on one way like if I sell shoes you know, selling my shoes, okay, yeah. that that's one way of making money, but why not think of, I could make a webinar of mm-hmm. telling people how to sell their own shoes. Like there's so many different ways to make money that still link back to your, your core product right. that we can't just rely on like our core product to sustain us because it probably won't. It won't. Yeah, exactly. And that's great advice too because um, one investor mentor was telling me he's like you know once you open and you start operating someone's going to come and say like this is a good idea and they're, they're going to steal it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome you always true. have to think about how can you have the leg up where you're continuing to increase your services or like you said um make money make t- 10 different ways um because that makes you competitive that yeah. is so true like that's what i tell people about ideas like whatever your idea is it's probably not original (laughs) I feel like I get into this as a writer you know people it's funny like as a writer I like I love to read scripts I'm trying to read as many scripts as I can and I can always tell the sign of this is how I denote someone as like an amateur because I used to be like this too like oh can I read your script oh you know it's a really unique idea (laughs) I I don't want to share it with people like first of all how do you think you're ever gonna get a job if you don't want to share your work with anyone but there's a lot of people like that and then second of all nothing you create you may think it's original but the world has been here millions of years i guarantee you whatever idea you had someone has already had it now you add your own unique spin on things but like the core idea is someone already already had this idea so you need to figure out how what your unique spin on like a a, you know used idea is because it is and how you can like be sustainable because I think that's one thing I like I said I've had many businesses (laughs) I, I had an app idea a few years ago so I started getting into that world of you know VCs and startups and um, one of the the VCs I met said like I don't really invest on people based on their businesses I don't really care he's like I think you could have the greatest idea at all in the world but I invest on like the founder Mm -hmm. like if I don't have confidence in the founder even if the idea is amazing I'm not going to invest in that company Mm -hmm. because there's so many variables 
um, that change. Like mm-hmm. you may have a great idea, but like you said, oh, maybe someone now has the same idea as you and you have to be quickly able to pivot into mm-hmm. to always be strategizing and thinking of stuff. So he's like, I only invest if I have confidence in the founder that they are, you know, flexible, they're smart, they're, they are resilient. Like mm-hmm. I'll invest in your company if you i'm investing in you essentially not your company because your idea can always be usurped by someone it can be changed like so i think that was very interesting i think people put too much stock in ideas Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not in themselves yeah so i think you really need to develop yourself and develop the strength like you said you're gonna have setbacks you're gonna have all these things happening to you but you need to develop the strength in yourself and not solely rely on your idea and you are a perfect example like you got feedback you pivoted you added these new strategies because Mm -hmm. you know that that's the reality of the situation um you're going to have to pivot and change and that's those are the companies that are successful Mm -hmm. yeah that's very true thank you you're welcome Mm -hmm. well I enjoyed talking to you Thank today. You. Yeah, tell tell the people where can they follow Tickleberry Place? Oh, sure. or- yeah, they can follow us on Instagram, Tickleberry Place. That's a handle. Um, we're on Facebook, Tickleberry Place, and Twitter. But you know, not much action happens <laughs> there, so you can still follow us on Twitter. Um, and then, of course, you can always sign up for our email, tickleberryplace.com. There's a subscription at the bottom. And then you can follow me directly. I'm Lauren. Um, my Instagram handle is lambcelove. So you can, that's L-A-M-C-E-Y-L-O-V-E. I, oh, I think you all should follow Lauren's Instagram because <laughs> I, I like how you've been doing these stories lately talking mm-hmm. about like business challenges. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people who are budding entrepreneurs or even if you're more established it's really interesting to see people talk about their experiences and not like sugarcoat things like give you know real real trials and tribulations and advice to people so I, I recommend if you guys you know are interested in starting your own business that you follow Lauren and thank you yeah it's really it's really cool I appreciate that. You're welcome. This has been fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Please do myself and yourself, let's let's keep it real, yourself a favor by going on Instagram and following us at Stuff I Don't Like podcast. You can also visit us on the internet, the interweb at stuffidontlike.net I'd also love for you to check out the cartoon web series that I've been working on it's a comedy, it's hilarious you'll love it and follow that on Instagram at julisa j-u-l-i-s-a underscore who w-h-o follow that on Instagram and go to our website, julisahoo.com. And if you're in the LA area, we're having a premiere party August 10th. You can find out more information about that on the website. But I'm going to be there. Julisa, who's the co-star and creator of the show, is going to be there. There's going to be music, drinks, comedy, 
performances. It's going to be dope. So check that out. And thanks. Always remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. If you haven't done so already, tell your friends, tell your kids, tell your wife, tell your husband, tell whoever. And thanks for listening to the show. See you next week, guys.